0: The Rangers have a winning streak. The Angels are going wild on the waiver wire. And we're going to talk about what advantages the Rangers have over their fellow AL West contenders. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all five seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Wednesday, August 30th. Your Rangers are 75-57 and 57 right now as I am recording a half game back of those stinking Seattle Mariners for first place in the American League West. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers, subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can help grow this show is to comment nearly any single thing below and listen every single day as your Rangers are marching towards the playoffs. The Rangers have a winning streak, two games in a row, and two one-run wins. This is not a regular occurrence for the Rangers. This is their, I believe, uh, 12th, yes, no, 11th one-run win. The Rangers are now 11 and 18 in one-run games, something they have not done very well because the bullpen has definitely had its issues, but again, two straight games where the Rangers' bullpen came up Pretty big, and the pitching in this one was mostly very good because the offense, although, again, like on Monday night, there were a bunch of very hard hit balls that just happened to be right at defenders, right at gloves, right into unfortunately double plays. But the Rangers did enough—a two-to-one win, including a massive tater from Mitch Garver, his 13th home run of the season, and a big performance from Andrew Heaney. I'm, I'm going to eat some crow. I'm going to eat just a full-on bird the whole, the whole crow, nothing but the crow. So help me crow. When I was defending Martin Perez over Andrew Heaney, I I was wrong. Okay. I was wrong. I have my priorities. We all are allowed to have preferences. I love Martin Perez. I have always loved Martin Perez. I've always been a believer in Martin Perez. Martin Perez was the first big leader that I ever had an interaction with. I interviewed him in my first year covering baseball. And I was just a dumb 20 year old who didn't even know that I was going to get to talk to Martin Perez, and he was very kind, and um, so just admitting my own personal biases there. I love Martin Perez's vibes. I love that he was an all-star last year, and I'd like pitchers who can go deep into games, especially when you have a faulty bullpen. Andrew Heaney had not done that as of late, but in this one, he did, and he looked very, very good. Five and a third innings, five hits, just one walk and seven strikeouts. The stuff was peak Andrew Heaney. He is just the most up and downing starting pitcher that you can have, which is exactly fine. If you have a number five every once in a while, go out there and throw an absolute gem, and the Rangers needed all five and a third innings from him. They also got a couple of outs from Chris Stratton. They got a huge scoreless inning from Brock Burke, who had a couple of strikeouts. And Will Smith had a very nice inning of work of scoreless baseball. He didn't strike anybody out, but he did make a fantastic play on an attempted bunt, just running to the ball perfectly. Jeff McNeil placed a, a very beautiful bunt, honestly, down that first baseline. And Will Smith went, and the only play that he had was to charge it with his glove and try and pick it up just with the glove and scoop it to Nathaniel Lowe. And Nathaniel Lowe made a great catch on a difficult scoop to make a difficult catch to make the ball was across his body and across the first baseline and he was in danger of of getting run over by jeff mcneil or having the ball get hit out of his glove by jeff mcneil running down that line and you don't see that play made very often and huge kudos to will smith to not only have the um testicular fortitude if you will to try that play but to execute it perfectly and it has been just an incredibly rough rough month for will smith that is the will smith experience that you kind of sign up for when you when you sign him when he is on it is confounding confusing but he has done it for 10 years he carried the white the white socks not the white socks excuse me he, he carried atlanta's bullpen as the closer in that 2021 World Series run, and he could not make the postseason roster for the Astros last year. I mean, it is just the hot and cold of every reliever, and Rallis Chapman, who nearly had a perfect, you know, drama-free bottom of the ninth inning, but nope, on an 0-2 count to Mark Vientos, he allowed his third home run, Mark Vientos's third home run of the season on an 0-2 pitch, 100 mile an hour fastball because of course it couldn't be it couldn't just be drama free from this bullpen completely but he still got the job done got the save his fourth save of the season rangers win and it was again very much needed and the offense came basically from mitch garver it was a one for two day at the plate with a couple of walks and a massive home run like i said his 13th home run of the season and mitch garver just continues to impress in the month of august since the all-star break he has been exceptional 33 games post all-star break over 100 plate appearances he's got nine home runs hitting 297 with on base of uh, 391 slugging 586. That is a 977 OPS. And in the month of August, he has just taken that to another level. He's got eight home runs. Eight home runs in the month of August. 23 games, 82 played appearances, slash line of 317, 404, 659, a 1063 OPS, which I believe is actually better than Corey Seeger, who had a very rare 0 for 4 day, including a strikeout looking. He nearly had a double on a ball that he hit to the opposite field on the first plate appearance but ended up getting called out on strikes so, Yeah, in the month of August, let's see. Which, by the way, uh, Corey Seager, I believe in after tomorrow's game, if he does play the full game, then he is going to be among qualified players uh, to get above among the league leaders and therefore will be the American League batting title um, leader. I think he might still be behind Shohei in OPS. But yeah, uh, just looking that up in the month of August, Corey Seager has a, you know, dreadful 1059 OPS to Mitch Garver's 1063. So, to be hotter than Corey Seager for any month of the season is just an incredible testament to Mitch Garver the importance that he has. I know he hasn't played a whole lot of games this year. The Rangers have been very very careful with him to not overexpose him. He's got just over 200 at-bats on the season. But hey, The Rangers have him hot for the home stretch. They had him step up when Jonah Heim went on the IL. Now Jonah Heim is back, and it looks like his bat is looking more like the all-star Jonah Heim bat that we have seen. And you have Mitch Garver as your everyday DH, and he is an incredible bat that can be as hot as literally anybody in this lineup. And again, the depth of this team, I mean, the hardest hit balls in this game, there was Ezekiel Duran with 111 miles an hour. Mark Vientos' home run was 108. Then Lili Tavares at 107. Daniel Lowe at 107. Ezekiel Duran, again, at 106.6, so nearly 107. I mean, the depth of these guys, just everybody putting together some pretty quality at-bats, including even point, point to a guy that annoys you on this offense. Point to a, oh, well, I don't know about Zeke Duran. Well, Zeke Duran had the, Game winning, what ended up being the game winning hit, a ball that he hit so hard that it could not drive in both runs from second and third, could only get the runner home from third base. But again, another clutch at bat by Zeke Duran in the ninth inning to help the Rangers extend that lead and get a win in a much-needed one-run game. I mean, just top to bottom, this offense is stepping up, and I know the results aren't there. Only two runs in this one. I believe it was, what, a two-to-one win or a one-nothing win yesterday? Uh, Or maybe it was three-to-two. I don't remember the exact score, but not a whole lot of runs. But the offensive production, it is just about to explode. I can just tell with this offense. You know that this is a talented lineup and a deep lineup and coming up we're going to get into something that could make this lineup even deeper but first this word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by linkedin are you struggling to close deals Cold Outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shadow, shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which lead to better outcomes. like. More pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this deep sales, and we've built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator, get a 60 day free trial at LinkedIn.com slash locked on. That is LinkedIn.com slash locked on for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to LinkedIn.com slash locked on and get started. Shout out to the making Locked On Rangers at first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be recapping this entire series against the Mets and the importance of it. The Rangers take on the Mets this week and catch every pitch for the hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, the Rangers lineup is incredibly deep. The starting rotation is incredibly deep. And uh, they are one of the best teams, if not the best team in the American League West, and have been all season. They've got a few teams that have been chasing them, one that has caught them, and well, at this point we are, um, let's see, at the top of the seventh inning. Oakland is up 3-1 to one over the Mariners. I'm not holding out hope that the Mariners will lose that game. And I'm assuming the Rangers will wake up tomorrow still in second place in the A.L.S. but they are still... A very, very good team and have been all year. And one team that was trying very hard to catch them, made a lot of moves at the deadline that did not work out, was the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Now, the Angels, seeing that their season was dead, somehow Shohei Otani is still playing, even though he has uh, a UCL tear, which you can still hit and not really make it much worse as a hitter. But long story short, he, he's probably going to have to have a sef- second Tommy John surgery that's off season, which will definitely affect his market. Not too much, but it will affect it just a little bit, I think. But for some reason, the Angels just decided to cut several key players. Five players, even. And I'm honestly kind of shocked that it wasn't, Sho- that Shohei Otani wasn't one of them because of how incredibly terrible it didn't just unbelievable this decision was. This is not bad players that they cut. There's five players, including Lucas Giolito, who they traded for, along with Reynaldo Lopez. Both of them are cut. Matt Moore, who's having an even better season with the Angels than he had last year with the Rangers. They also cut Hunter Renfro and Randall Gritschik. Randall Gritschik who they traded for at the deadline. And now, Gritchick was just terrible with them. I don't know if that was just the Angels' coaching staff being so incredibly terrible also you you could point out that uh lucas giolito was was not very good with them six starts a 689 era in 32 and two-thirds innings whereas in 21 starts with the white Sox, he had a 379 era in 121 innings he had also had three straight top 10s or top 11 i should say cy young finishes from 2019 to through two through 2021, easy for you to say, um, but I'm chalking that up more to the Angels as being a dumpster fire of an organization. Randall Gritchick was quite terrible with them. He had a 120 OPS plus with the Colorado Rockies. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, no, 120 OPS plus, 861, um, with in 64 games with the Rockies this year. It wasn't. That's adjusting for the Coors Fieldiness, because he actually hit better on the road as a Rocky than he did at home at Coors Field. And with the Angels, he was horrendous—a 140, 190, 280 slash line, a 470 OPS, and a 25 OPS plus. Now, remember, 100 is league average, so he was a quarter of league average with the Angels—like just absolutely horrendous stuff. And there were. It wasn't just the Angels that cut bait with a lot of players at at this right ahead of this deadline it was also uh the yankees the mets the white Sox, also cut bait and the tigers there are the other guys on this waiver that will be available for waiver claim are carlos carrasco harrison bader um jose cisnero and uh where'd we go i just had him up here just a second ago oh mike clevenger also, uh, who is of the White Sox. So now the reason that the Angels did this was so that Artie Moreno could save some money and maybe miss out on the luxury tax. And maybe he thinks, oh yeah, I got to do that so that I can sign Shohei Otani next year, because I'm going to definitely be in the luxury tax if I sign Shohei Otani. Well, let me give you, let me give you a warning, Artie Moreno, um, a little little red flag here according to my sources my sources being my eyes and ears and my brain that has watched baseball you're not getting Shohei Otani back he is not coming back after this like I have never seen something this egregious in the history of my watching baseball granted I'm only 29 years old so I haven't been alive for everything but still this is so incredibly like just I can't I could not believe that this happened Granted, I also couldn't believe how incredibly quickly everything just went straight to heck for the Angels after going all the way in at the trade deadline. I believe it was an eight-game or nine-game losing streak that they started in the month of August and have just been absolutely horrendous, which kind of stinks, and I almost feel bad for the Angels if I wasn't just a through-and-through through hater. I do feel bad for the Lockdown Angels boys because they deserve better, and I really thought the Angels made some smart moves this offseason. They just got some really bad luck with... Once again, their star third baseman, Anthony Rendon, just being a shell of himself and completely injured, and Mike Trout you know, being pretty good but also having a key injury at the wrong time, and Shohei Otani's pitching injury and all these other just different depth piece injuries and a bunch of the signings that they made that I thought were kind of smart on the pitchers ended up not working out. But this is a team that I thought should have been fairly competitive this year. Did a crossover with Lockdown Angels at the beginning of the year seriously debating whether the Rangers rotation or the Angels rotation was better. And it was, it was close debate. And I think we both kind of chose our own teams, but I wasn't quite entirely sold. And well, in case you're wondering, the Rangers rotation is just leaps and bounds and, you know, like, light years ahead of this angels rotation even though they only got a month of jacob Degrom. like this has just been a rough way and i just can't believe the angels decided to cut bait on all these players but it could bring dividends for the rangers it might not but coming up we're going to rank where i want these how much i want these players on the waiver wire how likely the rangers are to get them and how the rangers stack up with their aos competition but first this word from our sponsors Shout out to the editors for making On Rangers your first listen every single day on Friday's show. We're breaking down what happened on the farm this week. Uh, the Rangers take on the Mets this week. You can catch every pitch of the Hometown Broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Rangers. Now, one thing I did want to mention about the farm, Evan Carter was promoted to AAA Round Rock today on his birthday. And happy birthday to him. He got himself a present of four hits and a stolen base because... Of course, that is the Evan Carter way. And of course, the Round Rock Express won because that's just what they do. So shout out Evan Carter on his birthday. But we have three tiers, I think, of these waiver wire free They're not free agents, but I mean, yes, they're free agents, but they're waiver wire pickups. And basically, the way this works is the Rangers would have to add them to their roster before September 1st, which is Friday, to make them eligible for the postseason, which I think the Rangers would want to do, at least for a few of these guys that I really would like the Rangers to have. Now, I have these guys in three different tiers. Tier 1, yes, please, God, yes, please let this guy come to my team and help my team out. Tier 2, the probably could help... And the Tier 3, probably cooked slash I just don't want him. Um, now, the way this waiver wire works is it is different than in years past. There are no more waiver wire trades. So uh, this would have been nice if, if this was instituted before the Justin Verlander trade where the it, the Astros gave up, like I can't even remember, like a shoebox or something to get Justin Verlander off of Detroit where he looked absolutely cooked. And then, of course... The Astros unfortunately fixed him. Um, but in years past, it was also the case that the the league that the player was released from would have first dibs on the waiver wire. So in this case, the A would have first dibs. That's not the case anymore. It is just in reverse order of the standing. So the worst record gets first dibs, but the team will have to pay for the rest of the salary. So you have the bottom tier of the A's and the Royals. That's probably not happening. I don't think that any team that's not in the playoffs is is really gonna make too much of a claim for any of these guys. I mean, none of them are really super big free agents that you think, oh, we gotta you know give them a little taste of how our team works and you know let them see for a month or whatever of what it's like here, and then we can try and re-sign them for next year. I, I just don't see that happening. But there are quite a few teams that are ahead of the Rangers in terms of waiver priority that could use some help in their bullpen and their rotation, and well pretty much everywhere. You've got the Marlins, the Reds, both those are, we're going from 14 and 15. Then you have the Giants. This was as of today, before uh, this afternoon, before today's games. Then you have the Giants, the Red Sox, the Diamondbacks, the Twins, the Cubs, the Blue Jays, the Phillies, the Astros, who are behind the Rangers, even though they are tied for them. The Rangers have the lead in the lot. They have fewer losses, so they would be... Behind the Astros in the waiver claim order, and then you have the Brewers and Mariners. So anybody above that, which is Rays, Dodgers, Orioles, Braves, that that's the rest of the order in case you were curious. None of those teams in the top five are gonna have a chance, which at this point would have been the would have been the Rangers about a week and a half ago. Um, that would have been the Rangers. Now they kind of maybe have a chance, but I really think it's going to be tough for these guys to squeak through. Maybe there are some teams that are just too cheap to actually end up spending. The Reds, I think, fall under this category. They could use some help in their bullpen, but their ownership didn't even want to go and make trades at the deadline, So and they don't want to pay anybody, so I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. The Red Sox are just about out of it, and especially since they couldn't get much of anything, against this Astro team, even though they were at Fenway, which, ugh, thank you, freaking Red Sox. It would have been nice to have a game of separation on the Astros. But, you know, it's fine. I'm fine. Definitely not peeved. But if the Rangers did get a chance to claim any of these players, here is my list. Tier 1, they please God. Yes, let's have them. Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez. Both those guys are very effective, have been effective for the Angels, and Reynaldo Lopez was effective for the White Sox before that. Ronaldo Lup has his premium stuff. Matt Moore, we saw how effective he was last year, and again, of the many things that Chris Young has done right, uh, the two that I think have been glaringly wrong were not trading Matt Moore last year if he wasn't going to re-sign him, and then not re-signing him. Like all of those are in in one, and then the Araldis Chapman for Cole Reagan's deal is already looking very bad, and could end up looking significantly worse, even though they needed a Chapman in the worst way when they got him um, in terms of just somebody else in their bullpen, which I won't rehash all the reasons why I didn't like it for just having a Chapman as a person. We're not going there anymore, but, you know, the reasons are still very much there. Um, but still, having Matt Moore or Reynaldo Lopez added to this bullpen would just be absolutely incredible. In terms of guys who I think could probably help here is where I'd put Randall Gritschick, Lucas Giolito, and Hunter Renfro. I think all those guys could help. I don't think that Lucas Giolito is starting for this team, but I think if you throw him in the bullpen, he's still got some great strikeout per nine stuff. Um, and just keeping him from the teams that you're chasing um, for the having the best record in the American League, Like I think just doing that to kind of stick it to him, I think would be very helpful for the Rangers. And maybe if, if the Rangers could find out what wasn't working with him, with the Angels, or just, you know, what was working with him with the White Sox, I think that could definitely be a very, very helpful bullpen piece. And the, the Tier 3, probably Cook don't really want them. If Carlos Carrasco, um, Jose Cisnero, and Harrison Bader, along with Mike Clevenger. Just, they're fine. I just, I mean, Carrasco's almost definitely Cook. Cisnero, he had a one-something ERA last year, but that seemed like it was pretty lucky when digging into the numbers. He's got a 96-mile-an-hour fastball, but he is still getting hit really, really hard this year, and I don't think that he would help this bullpen all that much. Bader, he's not really hitting this year. He plays really good center field defense, and he's fast, but like he's not hitting better than Travis Jankowski this year, so I just don't really see it helping all that much. Um, and Carrasco is cooked Clevenger. There are some other off-the-field issues why I don't really want Clevenger, and the Rangers don't really need starting pitching because Andrew Haney is fine, and you just don't need that in your locker room. But let's look at where the Rangers have an advantage over their A.L. West counterparts. It is the Mariners, the Astros, and the the Royals. What is wrong with me? The Rangers that are in contention for this A.O. West. It is... 11 p.m. here, so I'm getting a little sleepy, and clearly my brain is leaving me. But we are going to finish out this podcast strong, because where do the Rangers have the lead over these other teams? In terms of the infield, Rangers have the best infield in the American League, if not all of Major League Baseball. They've got the best shortstop, who is just one of, if not the best players. They have three, four All-Stars, if you want to count Jonah Heim as in the infield, which I do, because it this is for my own uh, nefarious purposes and, you know, propping up Rangers propaganda because this is a Ranger podcast. So that's just kind of what I do. And Nathaniel Lowe, I think is the only one. He, he is the only one who wasn't an all-star, but I still think he's the best first baseman in this division. He's better than Ty France. He's been way better than anything that the Astros are rolling out over there at first base. And, uh, yeah, he's been really good defensively as well as offensively. He's really heating up in the second half and, uh, Yeah. My Nathaniel Lowe propaganda, which uh, is not something I thought I'd be saying two years ago, is going strong. Jonah Heim is by far the best catcher. The Rangers have the best shortstop. And I, I still think that Josh Young is still the best third baseman for the year in this division. Obviously, Alex Bregman has been on a tear as of late. He's got more of a track record. But for the year and for consistency, offensively, defensively, Josh Young has been incredible. Having him out, we have seen, has really affected this team whenever he comes back. I think it's going to be a huge, huge boost for this team. So the infield Big, big plus, big advantage for your Texas Rangers. Now, in the outfield, I think this is where the Rangers, it's kind of tough because it kind of depends on what else is going on. But I think the Astros have by far the best outfield, as much as it pains me to say. We all know how incredibly good Kyle Tucker is. We all know how good Chas McCormick has been this year. I don't know how much I believe in that long-term of him having a 900 OPS in, in a year in the future. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. But this year he does, and he's been very, very freaking good. And occasionally, it seems like more, more often than not now, they're going to be throwing maybe Jordan Alvarez out there in left field. They also got Michael Brantley off the IL, which I don't really think is that big a point in their favor. Brantley was not that great last year, and they've got some other better hitters they could put in their lineup, but, you know, he's still solid. I think the Mariners are a little bit ahead of the Rangers in the outfield. If Adolfo Garcia wasn't going through this slump right now, then I'd be saying, no, 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 it's clearly the Rangers, and uh, if Ziki Duran was playing every day in left field, then I'd be like, oh, no, 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 it's clearly the Rangers have the second best outfield, Um but leodi is, um well, as hot and cold as it comes in baseball, and, I mean, the Mariners outfield is literally Julio Rodriguez and friends, but Julio Rodriguez has been absolutely incredible for the last month, month and a half. And he has shown the ability to go on these stretches that are just absolutely unreal. He's going to win player of the month for August, even though Corey Seager has been absolutely incredible. Like it, it and it's not going to be particularly close. I don't think like it's, it's Julio Rodriguez's award and uh, you know, who else is out there with him? Uh, Dominic Canzone. And uh, I don't know, Dylan Moore. I think that's who was out in left and right field for the Mariners tonight. But Julio Rodriguez is just so good. It gives them a little bit of an edge over the Rangers. In terms of rotation... There's not a question that it's going to be the Mariners. The Mariners have an incredibly deep and very good rotation. I believe it was George Kirby that was scratched tonight because he was, quote, feeling under the weather. Um, And they threw Luke Weaver in there, and he got a little bit lit up by the A's because um, Luke Weaver is, is not that great. But the Rangers have the number two rotation in this AL West, and the Mariners have, I think, the best rotation in all of baseball. So there is no shame in that being second to the Mariners and it's ahead of the Astros Like it is just ahead of the Astros the Astros rotation has been decimated by injuries and even the guys who have come back from injury have just been kind of cooked like the guys who we thought were much better um just weren't this year I mean the Astros have not gotten a whole lot out of their rotation this year not as much as I thought they would I mean Framber Valdez is a Three and a half-ish ERA. Hunter Brown's got a four and a half ERA. Christian Javier has been, you know, lit up. JP France had a sub three ERA, and then in one game against the Boston Red Sox, he got lit up for ten earned runs, and now it's at three and a half. I mean, Jose Arquidi has an ERA over five. He's only pitched in eleven games this year. Like it's just, it's not as good as we thought it would be, and it's a lot more injured. And even Verlander, who's got a two seventy nine ERA, um, but just not striking out nearly as many as I thought he would. He is all the way up to nine strikeouts per nine, but I thought it'd be just a little bit more. Verlander and Frommer Valdez are as good a one-two as you can find out there, but still the rest of it is just not nearly as deep as this Rangers rotation, which, oh god, it gives me so much joy to say the Rangers genuinely do have a better rotation than the Astros in the bullpen. Obviously, the Rangers last year, like, no shock there. Mariners bullpen is better. The Astros bullpen is really good, but overworked because of those deficiencies in the starting rotation. And then manager wise, it it's the Rangers. The Rangers have a surefire first ballot hall of fame manager as do the Astros. Dusty Baker is going to go in there and a surefire hurt first ballot hall of famer. Um, but he doesn't have nearly as many championships as Bruce Bochy does. I don't trust him as much managing a playoff bullpen slash rotation slash club down the stretch as much as I trust Bruce Bochy and Scott Servers is a fine manager um but I mean again these are two of the top 10 managers of all time in Dusty and Bruce Bochy Bruce Bochy I think maybe even top five um but still I think the Rangers have the advantage in the infield in the manager position and uh, it's kind of close in the rotation it's still a little bit of an edge to Seattle but I think this is just the best team. Their expected wins and loss record at the if they finish the year at their current pace with their run differential would be a 101-win team. The Mariners would be expected to have a 95-win team and the Astros a 93-win team. Like, this team has just been really freaking good all year. People calling them frauds clearly didn't watch them at the beginning of the year. This offense is incredibly good, deep, talented. Starting rotation, very good. Bullpen, it's there. It's, it's got some nights, just like it did tonight, where it did enough to get the win, and I think that will be enough for this Rangers team to go on a deep, deep playoff run, maybe even take the AL West by storm, and win uh, quite a few of those last seven of ten games against the Mariners, and maybe win two out of three, or all three, against the Astros when they face off next week. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy Pennant Chase playoff baseball.